0: All right. From Gimlet, I'm Alex Bloomberg, and you're listening to Startup, the podcast about what it's really like to start a business. And what it's really like today is that I am recording from inside a Toyota minivan, white. It's my in-laws. We're on vacation in California, and I'm bringing you the podcast from their garage. And you might remember in the last episode of Startup, I was talking about the world's first blockbuster podcast, Serial, which is made by my former colleagues at This American Life, and what its breakaway success means for us at Gimlet. The point that I was making is that Serial is great for us in that it's raised the profile of podcasting in general, but it also puts a lot of pressure on us to produce more and better stuff more quickly than we had planned. So that's what I was talking about. But then, sort of on a whim, I said this. If you're listening to the sound of my voice right now and you have not heard of Serial, you occupy a very strange niche in culture. And I'd like to hear more about you, frankly. Seriously, if this moment is the very first time you've heard of the podcast Serial, tweet at me. I want to hear your story. Okay, it's me in the present again, without a cold. Here's why I thought it would be so strange for a startup listener never to have heard of Serial. Both I and the host of Serial, Sarah Koenig, worked together for years as close colleagues and friends at This American Life, the popular radio show and podcast. We each launched our new podcasts, Serial and Startup, the exact same way, by putting the first episode on This American Life. And we launched our podcasts only a couple weeks apart. Here's the final thing. The Serial audience dwarfs our audience. It's over 10 times as large. So it just made sense to me. Of course, anyone who's heard of us has also heard of Cereal. Man, was I wrong. Almost immediately after last episode went up, the tweets started coming in. At AbexLumberg, just listened to the latest startup podcast and I have to admit that I'd not heard of Cereal before you mentioned it. Sad emoji. At AbexLumberg, literally paused the episode to let you know I haven't heard of Cereal. Was confused if it was Cereal with a C or Cereal with an S. For the record, it's with an S, but lots of people tweeted that. I got over 100 tweets, and they continue to come in almost two weeks after that podcast aired. As of this writing, the most recent tweet came in 23 minutes ago. When I started this business, I thought the world was divided into two groups, podcast listeners and non-podcast listeners. In that world, it just makes sense. Anyone who's listening to Startup would have heard of Serial, the most popular podcast out there. But as I started calling around to some of the people who tweeted at me, I discovered that not only was that not true— The world of podcast listeners is way more diverse and fractured than I'd ever imagined.
1: Uh, My name's Lauren Miller, and I am in Atlanta, Georgia.
0: And the the first time you heard about the podcast Serial was when I mentioned it on the last episode of, of my podcast, Startup. Yes. Lauren is one of a handful of the startup listeners who had not heard of Serial who I called and talked to. She's 23 years old, works at a major cable company. And I asked her what I asked everyone. How did you hear about us? She told me that a friend of hers mentioned podcasts to her one day, and she wanted to find out what they were all about. So she went to the podcast section of the Apple iTunes store.
1: I just went to like the top charts or like the top featured ones, and I just scrolled down until I saw something I liked, and I saw a startup, and I'm an aspiring entrepreneur, so I was like, oh, I'll just give it a try. Yeah, it was the name.
0: Some read about us on the news. Some heard about us on other podcasts that I'd been on, like the ice Tea Final Level podcast or James Altucher's podcast, Some people had heard us on This American Life, but somehow failed to hear about Serial on the very same program. And in the case of another listener I spoke to, Matt Walliser, his journey to us was an epic that started back when he was a kid.
2: As a child, I had two great loves that I discovered, right? Um, And both tie directly into this. (laughs) The first is in a Japanese animated television show called Gundam. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No. Um, Well, it's, it's a Japanese show that is actually hugely popular over there. It's comparable to, like, Star Wars.
0: In addition to Gundam, Matt was also into this late 90s internet TV show called Tech TV. And Matt's story went through several twists and turns, but the main point is that these obscure interests somehow led him to his first podcast, a show called Dignation. And because it was early on and Matt was pretty broke when he started listening, he had to get creative about how he listened to this podcast.
2: My method of listening to it was a cracked PSP that I won on the school bus in a rigged poker game and stolen Wi-Fi from my neighbors, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I discovered the term podcast, because the, the, on the PSP software, that's what they called these audio programs. They called them podcasts. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I thought, okay, so what are my two favorite things? There's this you know, new internet media show stuff that I'm really into, um, and then there's Gundam. So I was like, okay, well, let me Google it and see if anyone is doing a podcast about Gundam.
0: Of course someone was. Three people, in fact, talking about one giant robot TV show from Japan.
2: Now, one of the hosts of that show is a, a man named Chris Guanche. Uh, he went off and, and started another podcast called Chaos Theater, and... In an early episode, he they, someone had asked him, they do like a viewer mail sort of thing. And someone asked, hey, what, what podcast do you guys listen to? And he mentioned Planet Money, right? Uh, then through Planet Money, I heard about startup.
0: Well, the thing that I love about this story is that you were, I think, maybe four or five minutes into it before I, I came across a name that I recognized. And it was Planet Money. And, and that's one of the things that I've been sort of wrestling with is like, you're in this new age. How do you build audience? And what I've realized, sort of like in, in doing this exercise and talking to people like you, is bunches of random ways that you can find the things that you like, uh, which is both exhilarating and a little bit perplexing as somebody who's trying to create a business around this. Like, how, if if that's what I need to get an, to get new users, <laughs> how do I recreate that story? <laughs> right. But as daunting as it was imagining a marketing plan that would account for all the Matt Wallizers of the world, it was exciting as well. You, the startup audience, are way more varied than I ever imagined, and your tastes in podcasts are more eclectic. There was one other surprise for me, talking to all these listeners who'd never heard of Serial. It wasn't because they just didn't listen to a lot of podcasts. In fact, if anything, for a lot of the people I talked to, it's quite the opposite.
1: I I listened to several podcasts, from, from yours to some on video gaming Uh, to some in in the Christian culture kind of spectrum.
0: Matt Ritgers is a 29-year-old pastor at what he describes as a traditional Baptist church, about 400 people in the congregation, in north-central Iowa. It's in a town called Forest City.
1: It's actually where the Winnebago plant is. It's where if you ever see a Winnebago anywhere in the world, probably came out of our hometown.
0: Awesome. And are there lots of Winnebago employees in in your congregation?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yep. If you're in our church, you're either probably a farmer or you work for Winnebago.
0: Matt couldn't remember how he first heard of startup, but he listens because, one, he likes storytelling. It's a professional interest of his as well, since trying to engage people with storytelling is something you're doing a lot as a minister. But also, he's interested in one day starting something of his own, maybe a new church, maybe a blog. And as we talked, he told me something that I'd heard from other people I talked to as well. Podcasting for him is a fairly solitary activity,
1: with podcasting, it's never something that I find myself talking with anyone else about. Sometimes I've wondered if if one of the barriers is technological. Imagine my parents getting on getting into podcasting. I'd have to walk them through it. (laughs) And explain, oh, it's kinda like a radio show that arrives to you and you listen when you want it to play. It
0: occurs to me what we need is like we need just like a group of people that have like a a pulpit I don't know, every week or so, where they can have a bunch of people in front of them that they could just really do a nice demonstration about how to subscribe to a podcast.
1: (laughs) I might be able to slide it in, you know, for a generous donation. (laughs) No, no, absolutely, I would not do that.
0: (laughs) Coming up, we continue to mix startups and religion, although in a very different way than you just heard. That's after this word from our sponsors. Welcome back to the show. So we're doing something a little bit different this episode, this brand new episode for the brand new year. We're spending the whole time talking to our listeners and finding out just how different from each other listeners to the same podcast can be. Now we're going to talk to a guy named Trevor McKendrick. We first got in touch with Trevor when we were looking to interview startup listeners about their own experiences starting businesses. Trevor reached out to us. He, like us, developed a product that found a much larger audience than he was anticipating. But for him... The more popular his product became, the more tortured he started to feel about it. His story starts a couple years ago when Trevor and his wife were looking around for a way to generate a little bit of passive income. You know, a business that they could set up that would kick off a little extra money. They were hoping to generate 600 bucks a month, enough to cover rent. Here's Trevor.
3: I have kind of a little bit of a tech background and was like, "Well, let's, you know, let's try making an app." And with that, I I just started looking through, you know, in the app store, how there's like, they rank apps kind of by top grossing and number of downloads and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just looked at apps that were ranked really high, which meant that they were making money. And I was looking for apps that that were making money, but that sucked, that like, were really crappy. And I, because the thinking was, well, maybe there's an opportunity there of like, if customers are willing to pay for this really, really bad app, you know, maybe I can make something better. Right. And it turned out that there was a lot of, uh, not a lot, but there was a few Spanish Bible apps that were terrible. You could just look at them in one second and you knew they were not quality apps, but they ranked really well.
0: Trevor spoke Spanish and he thought to himself, I can build a better Spanish language Bible he found a Romanian programmer online to build it for him. And before too long, he had his app on sale in the Apple iTunes store. A bit later, he added a Spanish language audio component to it as well.
3: And then I released that as its own app. I think I sold it for five or 10 bucks at the time. And when that went live, our revenues, I think, tripled or quadrupled overnight. Um, wow. And, ha- and have stayed at that levels and grown ever since. So that was the moment where it was like, oh, Like, wow, this is this is not just like a side product, this is like a living.
0: How much revenue was that?
3: When we released the audio version, we were doing five to six K a month at that
0: point. And you're trying to make six hundred dollars a month is what you're hoping to make.
3: That yeah, that was that's totally correct and totally true. You can like ask my wife about it. I was like, I just want to pay my rent.
0: (laughs) So you're making ten times what you thought you were gonna be making.
3: Yes. And it's not like we have like expenses, like that's all profit. I mean, I remember where I was when I when I realized how much it was and it was like it was like holy crap honey like look at the, the look at this money it was it was fantastic it, w- it was like and then you know it takes like a month or two to get your deposit from Apple and then it's almost like um, it doesn't feel like real money cuz like so little work is involved I mean dude I spend like maybe an hour a month on this thing to pay royalties to publishers and that is it I don't want to exaggerate, but it changed our life because I don't have to worry about our income, at least for the time being, right? It's all provided by the apps.
0: Today, Trevor says, the app provides a net income of six figures a year. So you're a Bible salesman.
3: I am. A, my wife introduces me to her friends as, as, uh, as a Bible salesman. Yes.
0: And she does that to be, to be humorous?
3: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's very, very not
0: serious. And and why is that a, a joke?
3: That's a joke because uh, we don't believe in Christianity. We don't believe in the Bible. Uh,
0: are you, you're an, you're an are you an atheist?
3: Uh, yeah, I would describe myself as an, as an atheist. Yep.
0: So so you're an atheist electronic Bible salesman.
3: Unfortunately, yes, I found myself in this awkward situation. <laughs>
0: Okay. So, well, let's back up. At
3: the time I started the business, I was just – I was kind of on the on the cusp of leaving Mormonism. So, I was raised Mormon, um, went to the Mormon College, Brigham Young University in Utah. Um, I got married in a Mormon temple uh, just actually a couple months before the app came out. If I had known how big it was going to be, I don't know if I would have gotten into it. Because now, with the with this amount of money, is like there's like a, some sort of like moral obligation that I feel like I have. I, I, it's it's just it's just uncomfortable me selling something that I don't actually believe in. Originally, when it was just like this little punk app, it was like no big deal. It's like oh, who cares if you make six hundred bucks selling the Bible? But it's like oh, you make six figures. It's like should you be doing that? Like I, I don't know. Should I?
0: It's a um, it's an interesting conundrum.
3: It is well because it's like what if you what if you sold Harry Potter books or Lord of the Rings books and but you told people it was real, right? And you told people that they could cast spells, right? That they were wizards and that this was a real universe. And if they would just learn how to write spells themselves, that they could heal their children when their children were having problems, right? And, and if you sold that as if it was a real thing. I mean, I would feel terrible about that. But that's really the situation that, from my perspective, I am in selling the Bible. Like, I am selling this thing that I truly believe is fiction, but other people are trying to use and mold their lives to to fix, you know, large and small problems.
0: You you have really left the fold.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm totally gone, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I am so far gone. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Oh man, uh, <laughs> uh, some combination of, uh, oh man, uh, so I was raised in a very strict Mormon family, like very black and white, very binary, and uh, always had questions about whether Mormonism was what it would claim to be, but never never had enough um, gumption, I guess, to kind of strike out on my own. Mm-hmm. And then two things happened that kind of helped me get out. One was I got married. So all of a sudden I didn't really have a social reason to go to church anymore because that's why a lot of Mormons, whether they realize it or not, go to church is to date and get married and, and have that whole life. And then two, uh, my younger brother also left. They're going to send him to Germany to go on his mission. And then he decided not to go, And it was, which was weird because neither of us had ever realized that the other one had had doubts. And so – when he decided not to go, I was like, oh, dude, we have to talk. And so we, get, we became super close from that. And since he was kind of leading the way, all of a sudden I was like, well, I don't feel like going anymore. And I have this awesome brother who's not going. And it was just kind of easy to finally just wash my hands of the whole thing and, and walk away.
0: So let's get back to the guilt.
3: Okay. <laughs>
0: Preach to me. <laughs> well, so where's the guilt coming from?
3: I mean, I get I get emails from people asking for me to pray for their son because he has cancer or asking me to interpret Bible verses uh, because they, you know, not everyone realizes that we're a business. And so they think I'm like a pastor or a priest or whatever. And OK, so granted, these people have iPhones, so they can't be like too destitute. But like they're still in a place where, I mean, if if you're emailing, the the maker of an app to get help for your son like you're probably not in a great spot and so just kind of trading that for profit weighs on me a little bit
0: but you wouldn't feel that way if they were buying something that you believed in
3: no yeah definitely not if it was something that i believed in or some other book that i really liked or not religious yeah no it'd it'd just be like any other any other product
0: You don't feel guilty. I'm not getting the sense that you feel guilty enough to, like, stop.
3: No, I can't. can't. Like, yes, I have a problem with it, but I can't.
0: Trevor did, however, recently launch a new company with the money from his Bible app. His new company is called Back Office. It's a virtual assistant company. If you have 10 or 20 hours of administrative tasks you need done, Trevor's company will handle it for you by outsourcing the work to a team of contractors Trevor manages. And as businesses go, it couldn't be much further from selling virtual Bibles. It's time-consuming, labor-intensive, heavily reliant on customer service, very difficult to scale.
3: It's funny because I've traded a totally passive uh, one-hour month income for a business that is the complete opposite. Where I'm like on call, you know, twenty-four-seven. This is like, why, why? I'm almost sometimes asking myself, like, why did I pick this business? after, you know, the relaxing, you know, passive income of the Bible.
0: Maybe Trevor didn't want relaxing anymore. Turns out he likes dealing with customers. He likes working to make his employees happy.
3: If I could make a place where people enjoy coming to work where they don't have like that knot in their stomach, like Sunday night, thinking about going to work Monday morning, like that would be awesome.
0: After all that passive income, Trevor is now choosing income he has to work for. A company that he can throw himself into and that he at least truly believes in one of the big takeaways from all these conversations for me i have no clue who our listeners are i never would have imagined our audience would include both a bible-selling atheist and a practicing baptist minister We want to know more about you, our listeners. We need to, as a matter of fact. Like any business, we need to know who our customers are. The fact that we don't is a big problem. And so we came up with a survey. We'd be very grateful if you took the time to fill it out. Takes less than two minutes. Go to startuplistener.com to take it. That's startuplistener.com. There should also be a link right there in the program notes on your phone, right there on your device. Check it out. And thanks very much. Next, we have scenes from an upcoming episode of Startup. But first, a word from our sponsor. Soon we're going to have big news on the startup podcast. We're going to be bringing on a co-host, and I recently talked to that co-host in the studio about what's going on. What I realized, sort of very early on, was that at a certain point, startup is going to have to stop being about our company, and we would start focusing on other companies. Uh, And so that's when I talked to you about saying, "Hey, do you want to do you want to take this on?" My mystery co-host to be revealed on an upcoming episode of Startup. To subscribe to the podcast, go to itunes.com slash gimletmedia or check out the Gimlet Media website, gimletmedia.com. There you can, as we told you at the top of the show, join Gimlet as a member, which gives you access to t-shirts from your favorite Gimlet shows, early looks at new shows that we're piloting, and lots more. Go to gimletmedia.com and click become a member. Our website was designed in partnership with the Design Commission. Mark Phillips wrote and performed our theme song. Build Buildings wrote and performed our special ad music. Editing help from Lisa Chow and Starly Kine, who also mixed the episode, and Caitlin Roberts, who also produced the show. Thanks to everyone who tweeted at us, and especially David Lopez. It was really fun talking to you. You can follow us on Twitter, at Podcast Startup, and me, at Abex Lumberg, or follow the company at Gimlet Media. I'm Alex Bloomberg. I'll talk to you soon on the next episode of Startup.